We begin, we're going to be uh, learning a little bit of this week's parsha, Parsha's Chayisara, that speaks about the unfortunate passing of our first mother, Sarah Imenu. Sarah. So let's look at the first three psukim and then we'll delve a little bit further into it. The psukim tell us, Vayiyu Chayisara, it was the life of Sarah Meya Shana, like we mentioned earlier, a hundred years, the Esrim Shana, twenty years, the Shava Shanim, seven years, Shnei Chayisara, these were the years of Sarah's life, Vatama Sarah Bekiryas Arba Hi Chevron, Sarah passed away in Kiryas Arba, which is known as Chevron. Rashi says, why was Chevron called Kiryas Arba? Kirya is a city, Arba is four. Rashi tells us there were four giants there. Giants, Echomrim giant beivrit, Anakim, Anakim, Arba Anakim bechevron. What were their names? Rashi says, Achiman, Sheshai, Tamai, and their father. Okay, so there were four giants there. The whole city was known by these giants. Now we have to understand why is it necessary for the Torah to tell us at this point that the reason why Hebron was called Kiryas Arba is because of the four giants. The Torah has already mentioned the city of Hebron many, many, many times. And pink tear, you know, pink is Yiddish. Right here, the Torah says, why is it called Hebron? Why is it called Kiryas Arba? Because of the four giants. We haven't heard one word about these four giants until now. And over here, by the death of Sarah, the Torah tells us that the reason why Hebron was called Kiryas Arba was because of these four giants. Okay, we'll come to, to understand that. Be'eretz Canaan, she passes away in Canaan. Vayavoy Avraham, Avraham came, lispod Sarah to eulogize Sarah, v'liv kosa, and to cry for her. So Avraham came to eulogize Sarah and to cry for her. From where did Avraham come? Avraham had just come from the Akedah, right? Where he tried to sacrifice his son Yitzchak. Where was the Akedah performed? On Har HaMoriah, the Temple Mount. Avraham at this time lived in Beersheba. So he comes home from Har HaMoriah. He, he, goes, to, he goes from Yerushalayim to Beersheba. Okay? And he knocks on the door. Sarah, I'm home. Guess what? I almost killed Yitzchak, but it didn't happen. No answer. There's no answer. Sarah, where are you? No answer. No, Sarah, what happened? She's not in the house. She's not in the house. Where is she? It says she died in Hebron. How in the world did Sarah get from Beersheba, where they live, to Hebron? Right? All the time when Abraham went to Shalim to slaughter him there. Meanwhile, Sarah's back home making a trollant for Shabbos in Beersheba. Yeah? How did she get to Hebron? Why did she pass away in Hebron? We'll see. Avraham gets up from upon the face of his deceased. He speaks to the children of Ches to purchase the land, which would ultimately be what? The Ma'aras HaMachpelah. But we also have to try to understand what does it mean? There's an extra word in this Pasuk, right? It should say, Vayakam Avraham me'al meso. Why me'al penei meso? What, he was staring at her face? It says, Vayakam Avraham me'al penei meso. Why does the Torah say, from upon her face? Why dafka her face? Okay, so the first thing we're going to examine is, it says, Avraham eulogized Sarah. Yeah, he gave her a hesped. What did he say? What did he say? You know, unfortunately, you go to a Levaya, you hear somebody give a hesped, they talk about the qualities of the person who passed away, they say they were a good guy, they did tzedakah, they learned Torah, and so on, they davened. 
What did Abraham say about Sarah? It doesn't say in the Torah. All it says is he came to eulogize her. What did he say? Very interesting. The Medrash tells us that Abraham said the following. The whole parak of Eishas Chayel that we sing Friday night. Right? So the first thing he says, he comes home. He sees Sarah's not in the house. What does he say? Eishas Chayel mi Who could find this woman of valor? Where is she? What happened to her? Then the matter says, if you look at number two, he said, I trusted her. When did Abraham trust her? When they went down to Mitzrayim and Abraham says, you know, you're a beautiful woman. I'm afraid you're going to be taken by the king. Tell them that we're brother and sister because if you tell them that we're husband and wife, they're going to kill me. So Abraham put his trust in Sarah. And so on and so forth. If you look, you know, we say, right? What do we say for the letter Vav? She gets up at night. When did Sarah get up at night? When Abraham went to slaughter Yitzchak at the Akedah, it says, Vayash came Abraham Baboka. He woke up early in the morning, right, to take his son. Who woke up in the middle of the night to prepare their lunch? Sarah. Sarah. Sarah didn't know where they were going. Abraham says to his wife, Look, I'm going to take Yitzchak on a journey. Sarah says, Where are you going? Don't worry, don't worry. Sarah said, Okay, let me make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She gets up in the middle of the night. She, that's what it means. Vatakam beod Laila. Okay. Now we have to try to understand how did Sarah get to Hebron? Again, she lived in Beersheba, right? Sarah lived in Beersheba. Why does the Torah say she passed away in Hebron? How did she get to Hebron? So listen to this and then we'll read it inside. We know that how did Sarah die? The Satan came to Sarah and said, Sarah, guess what Abraham is doing to your son? Sarah said, what? So the Satan says, you know what he's doing? He's taking a knife. He's about to slaughter him and kill him. Sarah said, nah, come on, I don't believe you. Satan said, yeah, why do you think he went with that big knife? He's not going to shecht an animal. He's going to shecht your son. Sarah said, what do I do? So she tried to take out her cell phone to call Abraham. The only thing is the cell phone wasn't invented yet, right? So here she hears that, he's, that he went to Harhamoria to slaughter Yitzchak. And she has no way of contacting him and say, Stop! What are you, crazy? You're going to shecht Yitzchak? So she had a... She wanted a telescope. She wanted to look from Beersheba to Harhamoria. There are no telescopes either. So what do you do if you want to look very far away? You go to the jolly green giant, right? You go to... She'll go to the giants. Remember, why was Hebron called Kiryas Arba? Because it had four giants. So she figures, let me go to the giants. They could see far away. And they'll tell me what my husband's doing in Yerushalayim. So she travels to Hebron. She goes to Achima and Sheishai Talmai. She says, look, I'll give you a few bucks. Could you see far off in the distance what Avraham is doing? So they look in the distance. They look up to Haram Maria. They say, yeah, there's this old man with a long white beard. He has a sword lifted up. And he's about to slaughter the kid. She fainted and she passed away. So you want to know what Sarah was doing in Hebron? She was going to ask the giants to try to see what is going on with Abraham. Take a look at number three. Why did that even give Sarah? Yeah. The benefit. <laughs> the benefit. Yeah. <coughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why God didn't give to Sarah the benefit of the, the, the tzaddikut that Abraham Abinu had 
And he didn't ask why, what, and how. He took his son and he went to take him with Korban to another part of Forget about the Satan. Why Hashem send the Satan? Satan don't go by himself. Last week, last week, we learned an incredible thing. Sarah. If you don't believe, if you you don't believe in right, you're gonna believe in wrong. See, we have a Talmud Chacham over here, a Mayor Wise, remembers the share from last week. Last week we learned. Remember when Sarah was 90 years old and the angel came and the angel tells Abraham, guess what? In one year you're going to have a child. So Sarah took, takes a look at herself. She's 90 years old. <laughs> Impossible. She laughed at the report. So God says, you're going to not believe a true report. The way you're going to pass away is by accepting a false report. You see, the way life works is when you don't accept the truth, God makes you accept Shekhar. That's the way it works. You have a Torah, it's a Torah's MS. You don't accept the truth, then Hashem says, you don't want to accept the truth, you will accept the biggest Shekharim in the world. So Sarah did not want to accept the true report that she was going to have a child. She was forced to accept an untrue report that Yitzchak was killed. But you told us that the Satan showed her the images, the image of... Abraham killing her son and her heart stopped. But now we learn that she went to Hebron. Yeah, another was actually it was another way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Satan showed. Look, you know, everybody knows you can't believe what you see on. Uh, yeah. We don't say it in basic messages. Yeah. You can't believe everything you see, right? So just because the Satan shows you pictures, most of the pictures we see on screens are not true, right? <laughs> so you can't believe everything you see. Almost. Almost. Kemat, the long next shot. Right. Come on. It was already too late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very good. That she heard. When you say absurd to somebody, you got to be careful how you word it. That's exactly right. A little thing like this can disrupt the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things is that she had more prophecy than Abraham Avinu. She had more prophecy than Abraham Avinu, which is a topic that has to be discussed by itself. How is that possible? Okay. Look at number three. Look at number three, second paragraph. This comes from the Sefer Shach Torah. The Shach Torah is referred to as one of the Gure Ha'ari. What is a Gur? What's a Gur is a lion cub, right? A young lion. An Ari is a, is a big, a mature lion. A Gur, right? A Gur is a lion cub, a young lion. The Ariza, one of the greatest Mekubalim of all time, had many students. One of his students was the Shach Torah. And the question, another question that we're going to address is, Abraham comes to eulogize his, Abraham comes to eulogize his mother, to eulogize his wife, yeah? Uh, somebody is conspicuously absent. Yitzchak! Where was Yitzchak by his mother's Leviah? Where was he? What happened? Why wasn't Yitzchak present at the Leviah of his mother? Look in the second paragraph. Listen to this. Ode Vayavo Avraham Lisbod Velifkos. Okay, Avraham came to eulogize and to cry. Vinafal al Penei Meso, he falls on the face of his deceased, Kedele Orer Hahespid Vahabachi, to arouse, eulogizing and crying. But the Pasuk says, Vayavo Avraham Lisbod Lisara. He came to eulogize and to cry, but he didn't actually do it. Even though he came to, to, for the purpose of eulogizing and for the purpose of crying, he didn't actually give Sarah Hesped, the mentor says. Why? He was too happy. Too happy? What was he so happy about? 
You know, it's one thing, you know, your wife harasses you, but Yisrael was a nice lady. What was he happy about? He was so happy that he passed the test of the Akedah. He was flying high. He was in the clouds that he couldn't bring himself to cry. So that's why the Pesach says, he came to eulogize, but he didn't actually do it. He didn't actually do it. And the Shach says, that's why he didn't bring Yitzchak with him, because if he would have brought Yitzchak with him, he would have been so overjoyed that, look, I have such a son that's willing to be sacrificed for Hashem, he wouldn't have had a fighting chance to even try to eulogize. So he said, look, you stay home, because if I see you there, Yitzchak, I'm going to be so overjoyed that you were willing to go through with the Akedah that I'm not going to even be able to give a Hesped. But listen to the following explanation. Look on the sixth line in the second paragraph, number three. Shamati. The Shach says, I heard. Shenimtza b'zohar. It's found in the Zohar. Shema hevi Yitzchak The reason why Avraham did not bring Yitzchak? shachat by Avraham rov shnayim. That not only did Avraham try to shecht Yitzchak, he did shecht Yitzchak. He slaughtered most of Yitzchak's two simanim, or the simanim, the windpipe and the food pipe. Okay? And Yitzchak was practically dead. So where did Yitzchak go? The Malachim took him up to Gan Eden. He convalesced in Gan Eden for three years until he recovered. When he came back, Avraham said, I thought you were dead. Avraham made the bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Mechaye HaMesim. How do we know this? Because do you remember when Yaakov came to steal the brachos from Yitzchak? So Yaakov put on Esau's clothing to try to steal the brachos. So Yitzchak, of course, you know, was blind, yeah, right? Yitzchak. But we started something else. We started that uh, to Actually, when he was supposed to to kill Yitzchak, to kill him, I mean, yeah. uh, with a knife, he find another deer or some uh, something like that. Uh, yeah. Get stuck with his. Uh, and he killed that instead. So, instead. Yeah. So in other words, some, some of the stuff that we study, I mean, that we, we, we learn right now. Correct. Totally, uh, That's what the Chumash says, that instead of Yitzchak, he shechted the Ayal. Right. But that he shechted completely. Yitzchak, he shechted 90%. There was still a little bit left with Yitzchak. So, that he didn't touch him. He didn't touch him because... Okay, the way you have to read that, according to what we're saying, is that when the Malach cried out, don't do anything to him, it means don't do anything else. After he already t- took most of his life, the Malach said, don't do anything else. It's kind of a contradiction. Yeah. Slightly. It kind of uh, makes you between, like, it is true, not true, or this, which story is not true, because this is kind of uh, either or. Nothing happened, and you go back home, and all of a sudden, it did, it did cut him off. It did, I mean, actually, he's dead. And then he got, so why got the deer? Uh, why now, why what? Why what? Why he got the deer for? If he got, if he got, if he cut, it's hard. Because the Malach said, stop. At that point, he hadn't finished the karban. It's not good enough just to slaughter rov simanim. You have to slaughter the whole thing. So at that point, the Malach cried out, Atas loma uma, stop, hold it right there. So instead, he, he slaughtered the ayol completely. Yeah, but it's also another thing. But yeah. if he come back home and he did pass the test, and he's happy, but yeah. he passed the test that he did kill his son. Yeah. So how come he's happy that he did? I mean, how come he's happy that he killed his son? Because no, no. He's happy that when God asked him to do, a, to do it, no, he didn't withhold. No. He didn't. Wait, 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 no, no. Hold on. I, I don't want to... So let's talk about it after, okay? We'll talk about it after, okay? So look what he says. You remember when Yaakov came to, when Yaakov came to take the brachos from Yitzchak, so what did Yitzchak say? 
Yitzchak couldn't see. He was blind. But Yitzchak smelled the garment of Yaakov. And he says, Yaakov, he didn't know it was Yaakov, he thought it was Esav. You smell like Gan Eden. How did Yitzchak know what Gan Eden smelled like? The answer is because he spent three years there recovering after the Akedah. That's what the Shach says. But if it says in the Pasuk, yeah. That means if he already sent the hands to the Nile, yeah. that means he already did. But if he said, Al Tishlach and Khalna, that means he was about to and he didn't do it. So where did this come from? This is something else. This, this, this is the Zohar. This is the Zohar, and the other one we, we study about the, the... No, you're quoting a Pasuk. You know, the Zohar can't argue with the Pasuk. Al Tishlach Yodu Al Hanar means don't continue to send. Don't. Al Tishlach means Be'asid, in the future. In the future. Which is totally different, uh, totally different books. It's more into it. The, the one he studied, the, uh, the five books. Bereshit, whatever it is, I think it's on Bereshit. It's, it's, um, it's on Bereshit. It's, it's, it's not that more... No, no. Yod it's not a contradiction. Nothing in the Zohar could contradict the Psukim. It just means, Al Tishach Yod means don't continue. Tishach is Lashon Asid. Don't continue to send forth. It's not the simple interpretation of the Pasuk. It is a, one of the interpretations of the Pasuk. Okay. I'm not going to get bogged down. Yeah. Three years. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying that he almost killed him, he died, he came back, and then he went back? It's not clear that he actually died. He suffered a, a, a fatal blow, and, and he had to recover. Okay? We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave the rest for you to think about. Look in Parshas Chayisar in the beginning. In the beginning. Abraham now comes to the children of Ches. He comes to Ephron to purchase a field to purchase a, a plot of land, okay? And there's one idea that Avraham tells them again and again and again and again. We know, we know no phrase in the Torah is superfluous, right? Now, one word in the Torah is extra. And if the Torah uses a phrase again and again, there's a reason why it uses it a second time, and if it uses it a third time, there's a reason it uses it a third time. Avraham comes to the Bnei Ches, and he says, if you look in... Pasuk Dalad. Avram says, Ger v'toshav anochi imachem, tenuli achuzas kever imachem, v'ekbera mesi, let me bury my deceased. Then again, Avram says, kivar mesecha, I want to bury, they say bury your dead. Then Avram says, likbar es mesi, to bury my dead. Give me this plot of land. Avram says, kivar mesecha, again. Seven times Avraham and the Bnei Ches say to each other that the purpose of the purchase of this land is for what? To bury the dead. Now, of course it's to bury the dead. After Avraham says, I want to buy this land to bury my wife, what else would Avraham want to buy it for? Of course, he's buying the land to bury Sarah. Sarah's dead. He's not buying it to build a house for Sarah. He's not buying it to dance with Sarah. It's very clear that he's buying it to bury her. Why does the Torah have to reiterate again and again and again and again and again seven times kivar mesecha to bury the dead? The first time Avraham gives him the money, shows him the money, look, I want to buy this land to bury the dead, so the rest of the conversation should be, should we buy the land, should we not buy the land? Are we going to sell it to you or are we not going to sell it to you? Why do we have to reiterate every time likbar es mesecha? Also, another point you have to think about is the first six times it says kivar mesecha, to bury the dead, to bury the dead, and the seventh time it says, the other, the other way around. 
The first six times it says kivar mesecha, first the word kivar, and then mesecha the dead. And the seventh time it says mescha, you're dead, kivar to bury. How many people are buried in the Ma'ara Samach Pela? Um, eight, eight, eight people and one head. Good, very good. Ruben got it. One, one. How many people are buried in Ma'ara Samach Pela? Eight people one head, right? and one head, right? Who's buried? Who's buried? Abraham, Sarah, Yitzchak, Rivka, Yaakov, and Leah. Who are we missing? Adam and Chava, that's eight, and Esau's head. Who buried them? Before, before Sarah, before. In fact, you talk about the Zohar. The Zohar says when Abraham came to bury Sarah in the Maris Machpelah, uh, um, Adam and Chava got up. They said, uh, 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 you're not coming here. So, to Sarah and to Abraham. So Abraham said, what, what's the problem? They said, we're embarrassed to have Sarah come. Why? Because they said, With, if not for us, mankind would have never died. So we're responsible that Sarah lived only 127 years. It's too embarrassing for us. And the Zohar goes on to talk about the whole conversation, how Abraham had to convince Adam and Chava to let them bury Sarah there. But that's a different thing to talk about. But they were dead. They were dead. So, who did so how he talked to them? He talked to the dead? We'll leave that for now. We'll leave it for now. We'll leave it for now. So altogether, eight people. Eight people. Oh, Esau's head? Wait, before Abraham brought the, the land, the land. Yeah. so Amshech owned yeah. the land where Adam and Chava were buried. Correct, correct. Now, okay, so again, how is it, if you want to know very briefly, how is Esau's head buried there? When, when, uh, when Yaakov Avinu had passed away and the sons, the 12 Shatim, were carrying him back to bury him in, in the Maras Machpelah, Esau said, you're not burying Yaakov there over my dead body. So they said, fine. And ultimately, they killed Esau, and his head went rolling into Maras Machpelah. It's a separate topic in and of itself. So altogether, there were eight people there, plus Esau's head. How many people were buried there at this time? Today? No, no, no. At the time when they're about to bury Sarah. Adam and Chava. How many more people were they going to bury there? Six. That's why Abraham says, Kevar Meisacha, six times. One is for... Sarah, one is, the second one is for Abraham. Kivar Meisacha Yitzchak. Kivar Meisacha Rivka. Kivar Meisacha Yaakov. Kivar Meisacha Leah. Yeah, he already, Leah. Not Rachel Leah. He, he wrote in Ephraim. Okay, so the Vilna Gain, the Vilna Gain points out that Yaak, that Abraham was purchasing the Maras was aware that this would be the burial plat of all the Avais and Imahis. And that's why he reiterates six times, Kivar Meisecha, because it wasn't just for one individual, it was for six individuals. Six individuals. Why, did he, why does the Pasuk say, Kivar Meisecha, first bury, and then the word Meisecha, Kivar Meisecha? Because normally you bury people when they're dead, right? But Tzadikim, Afilu B'Misasan, Kriyim Chayim. Tzadikim, even when they're dead, they're considered Chayim in some way. So the Gemara asks, So then what do they need Tchiyas HaMesim for? If Tzadikim are always alive, why do you need Tchiyas HaMesim? The Gemara says in Shabbos, no, that one moment before Tchiyas HaMesim, they have Misa to be able to have Tchiyas HaMesim. That's what the Gemara says in Shabbos. So for Tzadikim, first comes Kivura, and then comes Misa. 
That's why for these six individuals it says, Kivar Meisecha, because they were all Tzadikim. So first comes Kivura, then comes Misa, the Vilna Gaon says. But the seventh time, what does Avraham say? V'yes Meischa Kivar. Who was the seventh time for? Esav. Esav's head. Esav was a Russia. By Russia, first comes the Misa, and then comes the Kivar. That's why the seventh time it doesn't say Kivar Meisecha, it says V'yes Meischa Kivar. Fine. Let's look at Pasuk Gimel one more time. Okay? Pasuk Gimel says, Vayakam Avraham, Avraham got up. It's uh, in number one. Me'al penei meso from upon the face of his deceased. Why does it use the word penei, the face of? He got up. He cried over her. He fell down crying and he got up. What do I need to know? He got up from her face. The Gemara tells us in Avodah Zarah, what happens when a person passes away? What happens? What does the Malcham of us look like? What does he do? What's the procedure? So look at number five. Take a look at number five. This is a Gemara in Avodah Zarah. Amru alav Malcham They say about the Malcham of us. Shekulay male enayim. He's full of eyes. Okay? That's what he looks like. He's full of eyes. Okay? So if you see someone full of eyes, Run. <laughs> okay. Bishas Pitirasai Shalchola. When when a sick person passes away. Omid Meyar Mirashosov. The Malachamava stands on top of his head. Vikharbo Shlufa Biado with his sword extended. Okay? Vitipa Shalmara Tsuyabo. There's a drop of Mara. There's a drop of mara. What's mara? Gall. Bitter. Bitterness. There's a drop of bitterness on, suspended on the edge of the sword. Okay? Kivan So when the sick person sees the malacham he shakes, he gets, he titters. He opens, right? What happens when he opens up his mouth? Okay? Mizdazeh, he shakes, uposeach piv, he opens his mouth. The Malchamavis then sends this poison into his mouth. Mimena mez, from this drop of poison the person dies. Mimena masriach, from that drop of poison the person rots. Umimena panav moirikais, and from that drop of poison the face turns sallow, turns green. That's what the Gemara says. That this drop of poison that the Malchamavis has causes the person to die, causes the body to rot, causes the face to turn colors. Says Rav Yonasan Ibishitz. You ever hear the name? Rav Yonasan Ibishitz was one of the greatest disseminated Marbitze Torah in our history. Throughout his career, he lived in the 1700s. Throughout his career, he influenced more than 24,000 students. Okay, in the 1700s. Almost like Rav Kiva. Like Kiva. Listen to this. Says Rav Yonasan Ibishitz. In order to get into the Ma'aras Hamach they didn't let anybody in. You had to have a certain VIP card. What was the quality you had to have? If you died through the Malach HaMavas, they didn't let you in. Big Tzadikim, they don't pass away through the Malach HaMavas. They die through Misas Neshika, which means Hashem Himself, Kiviyachal, takes your Neshama. He doesn't let the Malach HaMavas intervene. Okay? So Avram Avinu, was Avram around at the time that Sarah passed away? 
No, Avraham was at the Akedah by Haram Maria. Sarah was by Hebron. So Avraham was wondering, can I bury Sarah in Mara Samachpelah? How do I know how she died? Maybe she died with the Malach Hamaves. But there's one trick. He looked at her face. He saw Ein Panav Meirikais. He saw the face wasn't green. Ah, oh, the face isn't green. He knew he, she died through Misas Nashika. That's why the Pasuk says, Vayakam Avraham Eyal Penei Mesa. He got up from her face. There was an indication on her face. Her face was shining. So obviously, she did not die through the Malach She died through the Misas Nashika. That's what Yonas and Abishad says. By the way, the Gemara says that these three drops, Mimena Mes, Mimena Masriach, Mimena Panav Meirikais. That's how a person dies. That's how the, person, the body rots. That's how the face turns green. You know what these three drops are? The Panam Yafos, the Hafla, says like this. The Mishnah tells us in Perke Yavos, there are three things that take you out of this world. Hakina, Vehataiva, Vehakavoid, Maitzian, Esha Adam, and Olam. There are three things that we have in this world that make us miserable, that destroy our lives. Kina, jealousy, because you can have all the money in the world, you can have all the possessions in the world, you can have all the happiness in the world, but you see somebody has something you don't have, oy, how it bothers you, because you think he took it from you. The psychology of Kina is he took it from you. What do you mean, but you never had it? No. If he wouldn't be here, I would have it. That's the way the Yitzhahara works. The way kinna works is, and you can't live. It takes you out of this world. That's kinna. Taiva. Taiva. <laughs> Taiva. The way, You have a hundred bucks, you want two hundred bucks. You have, right? You have two hundred bucks, you want four hundred bucks. A guy who has a hundred bucks, how much does he want? 200. 200. A guy has 200, how much does he want? I want 50. What? Again, what's your name? 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 Ich Karina, what? Max? So listen. The Chazal tell us, Chazal tell us, somebody who has 100, he wants 200, yeah? Someone who has 200, someone who has 200, he wants 400. So who's missing more? The guy who has 100, he only wants another 100. The guy who has 200 wants another 200. The more you have, the more you're missing. But this is actually, this is, uh, uh, um, what do you call it? It's obviously we're all the same. I mean, That's if, a, you have, if you have a dollar, you want to have two. Uh, I mean, it's only for security. It's not for to have... The way, the, the Mishnah tells us in Perkeavos, that human nature is, no matter how much you have, you want more. You want more. In fact, ta'ava is like salt water. It's like salt water. The more you take, the more you want. In fact, the Gemara tells us, Ever katan yesh ba'adam. Masbio ra'ev. Every man has an ever katan. You satisfy it, it becomes more starving. You starve it, it becomes more... Yes, it becomes more sad. That is the nature of all desire and all pleasure. The more you have, the more you partake, the less you have, the more you want. And of course... The third thing is kavod. The third thing is kavod. If somebody desires kavod, 
There's no end. Because kavod is not a tangible thing. You should know. There's, if a person wants kavod, there's no end to how much he could want. These are the three things that takes a person out of this world. These are the three drops of the Yetzir Harav, the Malach HaMavas. Mimena Meis, Mimena Masriach, Mimena Panov Meirikos. These are the three weapons that eventually the Malach HaMavas uses to take us from this world. But even while we are here in this world, a person who indulges in Kina, Taiva, and Kavod, he's physically here, but it's Ke'ilu, he's already Motsi Mena Olam. It's not a life. Sara Imenu, how do we know she died with Misas Nashika? Because at the beginning of the parasha it says, which Rashi says means Kulan Shavin Latova. They were all equally good. They were all satisfied. So if she was able to have such a satisfying life, that means she had overcome Kina, Taiva, and Kavod. Otherwise, Rashi would never tell us it's Kulan Shavin Latova. The only way Sarah could have viewed her life as Kulan Shavin Latova is if she had overcome Kina, Taiva, and Kavod. Oh, you overcome Kinnon, Taiva, and Kavod? Then, the Malachamavas can't take you away with those three drops. Mimena Meis, Mimena Masriach, Mimena Panav Marikos. The only way for, the only reason she went is because why? Misas Nashika. Misas Nashika. Misas Nashika, that's why she was allowed into the Maras Hamach And that's why it says by Avraham, Vayakam, Avraham, Meal Penei Meso. He looked at her face, he saw in her face that she didn't die from the Malach HaMavas. Okay. While we're on the topic of Hespit, and since this is the occasion of uh, the 11 months for Ephraim's father, it's very interesting in general. Throughout the ages, different Gedolei Yisrael, different sages, have requested different things for their Hespitim. The Shulchan Aruch tells us, look at number 11. If you command somebody who gives a command, don't eulogize me, you listen to him. You listen to him. So if somebody gives an order before they pass away, I don't want a hesped, you're supposed to listen to them. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when the Pnei Yehoshua passed away, Pnei Yehoshua is one of the greatest sages, also the 1700s, he was Rabban Shalkobnei Hagola. And he requested that nobody give him a hesped. He made a request that he doesn't want any hespedim, any eulogies. Nevertheless, the Noda Behuda got up to issue a hesped for the Pnei Yeshua. And the first thing he said was, even though the Pnei Yeshua said he doesn't want a hesped, we don't have to listen to him. Because he is allowed to give up and forego his own honor. But since he's the leader of the Jewish people, by honoring him or honoring the Jewish people, and that honor he has no right to forego, and they were Masbid, the Pnei Yoshua. Very interesting, in the 1800s, there was a Gadol by the name of Rav Itzla Petterberg. Rav Itzla Petterberg, before he passed away, he commanded that he doesn't want any Hespedim. He doesn't want anyone to eulogize him. And after he passed away, he was criticized by a friend of his, whose name was Rav Naftali Amsterdam. And Rav Naftali said, I can't understand why my dear friend Rav asked that we shouldn't eulogize him, especially because we both have a common Rebbe, Rebbe Yisrael Salanter, who asked that we should eulogize him when he passed away. So why is my friend not following in the path of his Rebbe? Why is he asking not to be eulogized? 
Later, when Rav Naftali was on his deathbed, he made the same request that he doesn't want anyone to eulogize him. So they asked him, here you are, you just criticized your friend a few years ago that he didn't want a hespid. And you criticized him, why is he not asking for a hespid? And now you're, you yourself are asking us not to give you a hespid. So he said, no, here's the difference. Rav Itzala, he deserved a hespid. So I criticized him for not wanting hesed. But he said, but me, but me, I don't deserve a hesped. I don't deserve it. So therefore, I don't want you to give me a hesped. We'll end off with one thing. The Shulchan Aruch writes, when it comes to a hesped, mosifim bohem ktsas. You're allowed to exaggerate a little bit. You're allowed to exaggerate. Ktsas. Ktsas. You don't want to give them more. A little, you're allowed to exaggerate it a little bit. A little bit. Kedoshim, right? <laughs> Why you let it? So the question is: either you're allowed to lie, or you're not allowed to lie. Why you let exaggerate a little bit? Why only a little bit? So the Taz. Someone here related to the Taz? Somebody here wants somebody related to the Taz? You tell me. No. Okay. The Taz says like this: Every human being is a little bit better than you think he is. Why is that? Because let's say you see a guy, he gives a hundred bucks to tzedakah. Let's say you would have asked him for a hundred and three dollars. He would have given it also. They only asked for a hundred, so he gave a hundred. But he would have done a little bit more. So the fact that he didn't do it, it doesn't matter to Hashem, because in the eyes of Hashem, if you would have wanted to do it, it's considered like you did it. So therefore, when it, let's say somebody, he learns an hour a day. Let's say you, you would have asked him, you want to learn an hour and three minutes? He would have done it. He would have done it. So in the eyes of Hashem, it's considered like he did a little bit more. So every human being is really a little bit better than you think he is. So to exaggerate a little bit is not an exaggeration. Because it's true. And we have to realize that no matter what human being we look at, and however we think in our mind, whatever level they're on, we should realize that every person is really a little bit better than we think he is. In our mind, we just see what they do, but we can't see what's in their heart. And Chazal tell us that in the heart of every person, they're certainly a little bit better than they are, because everyone would like to be a little bit better, and the eyes of Hashem, just the desire to be better, is also something very valuable. Learning tonight was Zecha Nishmas, of Yosef Ben Ephraim, for the family, for your family, for all your relatives, for all your friends, and for all Kaiso. Right, right, right.